Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real world value. So this whole Web 3 NFT space, everything with crypto has major implications for Silicon Valley and all of us in the tech community that are just really pioneering this space and just going forward. And the things that we're building is just absolutely amazing. However, believe it or not, I would say this has major implications for developing nations and the quote-unquote third world, as they like to call it, because there, this opens up so many opportunities and gateways for things that uh, many of these countries just never had access to, and billions of people around the world are not even officially banked in the banking system. So I'm talking about not having debit cards or checking accounts or anything like that. So coming into this whole crypto space and with NFTs and everything, it just opens up the whole world of finance and technology for people that never had an opportunity to take part in that system before. So today I'm going to look at a few areas as to where and how this can really help the developing world. And first I'm going to start about uh, the play to earn gaming scene. And this is something I have mentioned before. However, I don't really think I spent enough time in showing exactly how important this is, how massive this is to uh, people around the world. Uh, for example, Players of Axie Infinity and some other games are actually pulling in a few hundred dollars per month. Now, two, three hundred dollars might not seem like a lot of money to someone, say, in the United States or the UK or EU or anything like that. However, $200 to uh, people in the Philippines or in Jamaica, Africa, other places, that is a lot of money. And I'll just give you just a, an example as to show you how significant this is, because currently I am in Jamaica. And once you do the U.S. conversion, actually getting the local currency, Jamaican dollars, into U.S. dollars, the minimum wage for a 40-hour week for an entire year is about $2,150. Now, that sounds absolutely ridiculous, right? So when you actually think about it, this two, $300 that is being made in Axie or some other play-to-earn gaming system is actually the equivalent of a minimum wage job. So you can really see how this two to three hundred dollars per month could be very impactful to a college student or someone who is unemployed or whatever it is, just has the option of uh, doing these play to air and games or trying to get a minimum wage job if your options are limited, especially depending where you are. As long as you have a device and you have uh, Internet connection, you're able to get into these ecosystems and you're able to make a wage that is equivalent or far better than what you'd be making uh, working 40 hours a week at a minimum wage job. And of course, also, this opens up the whole gate for uh, emerging artists and not just digital artists such as uh, graphic designers and what have you. But I'm talking about actual musical um, artists that are creating and are putting their works out there. And in many times it is not being uh, generating money for them, even if it is being monetized, it is being sold. What they're actually seeing is not much of it. And like the perfect example that I like to think of is probably again, I'll just stick to this whole Jamaica theme. Right. One of the most uh, uh, prolific, iconic uh, people within the last 50 or 100 years, as far as Jamaican goes, besides uh, Usain Bolt, of course, on track and field. But when you think of uh, Jamaica, a lot of people automatically think of Bob Marley. And believe it or not, all those great records and songs and everything that he actually produced and released, very little of those sales actually ended up back into his pockets. And so much so that a lot of uh, the rights to the music when it went to uh, Europe and uh, throughout England and what have you, uh, whether it be uh, 
uh, bad contracts or just not really giving him what was due. He never saw worth for what actually his music was. Sure, during his lifetime, he has passed away uh, many years um, ago. However, when he was alive, it's not like he was uh, just like a cash cow, just making uh, millions and millions of dollars, living a lavish life and what have you. And he really produced the music. He loved the music. And he was all about uh, people. And if you know anything about uh, the, the Rasta culture and what have you, they're not a very uh, materialistic uh, culture as, as far as uh, how they value worldly things. So on the outside, sure, yes, it would have been horrible. But deep down, I think he really just desired to spread his music and his love around the world and what have you. But he never saw the amount of money that he really should have. By no means would I say that he was uh, poor or anything. Sure, when he had his concerts, they sold out and he was able to generate a lot of money doing that. But it was just a fraction of what his real worth was, what his economy was as far as uh, what he was producing and putting out there. More people were getting rich off of him than he was getting rich off of it. So with this whole thing, you know, the way uh, music and 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 uh creative work is distributed a lot of the times it is the gatekeepers that are the ones who are keeping the real profits and what have you and the artists the creators the ones that are actually doing the work only get a fraction so this whole web3 space really opens that up for a lot of people to not just have to work on let's say the algorithms for like what youtube is going to put out or uh, what they need to do in order to rise to the top of the spotify charts or whatever it is they can just be creative. They can put out whatever it is that they want. And again, because we're, when we're talking about these, um, these, these dollar figures being so huge in the, the, the developing world and other countries outside of the EU and the US, even generating two, three hundred dollars per month from, uh, whatever creative works that are going out there, whether it be NFT projects that are, are being created with, uh, visual arts or music projects. And I know, uh, in the previous episode, I mentioned Yoshi Drops on how they're monetizing music for artists and what have you a project such as that can really change an artist's life in in some of these countries and when you're thinking about two three four five hundred dollars again in many countries that's nothing but in the majority of countries that is absolutely life-changing that really set someone's month up for you know uh, just a, a record-breaking year for them as far as an artist and as freelancers as well, they they have a lot to gain from this because a lot of the time uh, with these freelancing platforms, you know, there there are ma- there's so many of them out there right now. Fiverr, Freelancer, there's Upwork, and uh, just just countless ones that I can possibly think of. Whether you're doing logos, graphic designing, or uh, social media banners or whatever it is. A lot of times these are like one-off gigs where someone is just being paid a flat rate to create something or maybe you, uh, the artist does have some sort of contract where uh, monthly or whatever it is, different projects are being sent their way. But generally speaking, the majority of all these transactions are going to go through PayPal. And now PayPal has really been out since the 90s and the system really hasn't changed much. But just to give you an idea as how much of a headache that can possibly be for a lot of countries. And again, I'm going to speak speak specifically from Jamaica, it is very hard to actually withdraw the money from a PayPal account to a local Jamaican bank account. And I know that to be the case for many other countries. So what I'm going to specifically speak about is the the hassle of doing that. So if you are someone who is uh, constantly uh, making purchases online, you're using your PayPal balance and what have you, it's no big deal. You just keep that uh, floating balance in there, whatever you're making, you keep it in there because you know eventually you're going to have to make transactions, you're going to have to purchase something 
thing anyways. But what if you are someone who actually needs that money to pay your bills? You need that money to uh, convert to local currency in order to, let's say, uh, send your children to school or whatever it is. There really is no direct deposit or withdrawal method within uh, many of these countries. And what you have to do is a paper check. And a paper check is slow. It takes some time. And also there is a fee associated with that. But generally speaking, the majority of uh, creators or uh, freelancers that use PayPal and do this process do not enjoy using PayPal. And PayPal... It's sort of the default payment platform online, especially when you're doing these uh, freelancer gigs and what have you. However, again, in many of these countries, just being able to have access to those funds, it is not the easiest thing in the world. And just onboarding it from the online and offline, it is completely a headache and it is, uh, it, it could be very frustrating. And because of that, a lot of artists, a lot of creators, freelancers and what have you won't even bother with it. Another use case uh, that Web3 is really going to help uh, with as far as how uh, uh, being able to develop, uh, help these developing countries is in our remittance. Remittance is when a family member is abroad in whatever country they might be working or or they have uh, immigrated there and they're living there and what have you, and they want to send home funds to their family back home to whatever country it is. Now, Typically speaking, one of the easiest ways of doing this would be uh, a MoneyGram or a Western Union or a uh, another money transferring service such as that. Now, the thing with Western Union is, sure, it is one of the most common u- ways to send money around the world and what have you. However, it is very time consuming and it is expensive, especially if you go to a Western Union in one of these countries during uh, the holiday times and what have you. You will see that the lines start hours before the uh, the business actually opens up, and the line will go down the street. And in many cases. The fee could be as much as a third of what it is, depending on exactly how much is being sent. Because if a small amount, such as say $50, $100 is being sent, the fee could be so much. And the other option is to just go through the traditional banking system with wire transfers. But again, too, uh, wire transfers are very expensive. International wire transfers, yes, it will go directly into uh, the person's account and what have you. But once the fees are out of it, it is just such a headache and a hassle that really a big chunk of the amount that is being sent is going to have to go over to the financial institution. And one of the most major ways that this is really going to help in the developing world is just being able to identify people. Because in a lot of these countries, there is a lot of scamming, if you will. There's a lot of uh, fraudulent activities going. And just to do something simple, such as take out a utility bill, whether it be a cable bill or uh, an electric bill, whatever it is, in someone's name, many times you have to go to someone what is called a justice of the peace, also known as a JP. is like It's like a notary public on steroids in the sense that these people are usually uh, high outstanding people in the community that they're recommended, whether they are business people or maybe they have a track record in that community of just doing great things. They were, you know, teachers or doctors, whatever it is. In the, and they were basically voted for uh, to have this position by the people in their community. And their job is to uh, identify people, make sure that they are who they say they are. And when they're signing documents and what have you to authorize it and to authenticate photographs and what have you. So some Someone can get an ID, a passport, take out a an account with the power company or open a bank account or something like that. And it's a really archaic, very old school way of doing things. Whereas basically like there is like a tribal chief, if you will, that knows and, and verifies that this person is from the community. They are who they say they are. And, you know, in many cases, it is it is so backwards and archaic that 
even if someone has a passport, a driver's license, they have their uh, documents and all sorts of things, two, three forms of identification and their bills in their own name, depending what kind of transaction they're trying to do, they still have to go to a JP to get the signature to say that they are who they say they are. So with the blockchain and all of these uh, transactions that we're doing, uh, we're really pioneering a lot of space where uh, this whole trustless system, which really eliminates a lot of the loopholes which allows uh, scammers and uh, people who have uh, nefarious intentions to really just get out there and just do all sorts of crazy stuff and you know uh, we, we think of uh, in the states even of uh, people taking out uh, cable bills and and doing other things in people's names but it's definitely even more rampant in in other places of the world and I can definitely say uh, recently someone broke into uh, one of our businesses and what ended up happening was uh, the person uh, who uh, was someone that we used to uh, do a, p a part of the construction of the roof. So he was familiar with the, the weak points in the building. And uh, needless to say that w we were able to catch him and what have you. But when he went to jail, he actually had a, a, a record in his own name. So he would have went away for a very long time. However, he actually went to jail under his cousin's name. Now, this absolutely sounds like this could like never happened this is just how could that even be uh, fathomable right that someone can go to jail under someone else's name in this day and age well if these records per se were uh, recorded and they were uh, systematized and instead of just being like these local police departments having their records and not really communicating with one another and being able to verify okay this person really is who they are and this person has no record and what have you and it matches up with his id that could have never happened. However, in this just very scattered system of not really having any kind of uh, verification, no proof, and just very old school backwaters, I'm talking about like uh, like the old sheriffs with uh, the saloon and uh, big books and everything is handwritten by paper. That's basically how it is in a lot of countries, believe it or not. So that is how this person was able to go to jail under someone else's name, only getting six months. And if he went under his real name, he would have went away for years. So, you know, little things like that is how this could really uh, benefit in a lot of areas that are, you know, not as technologically technologically advanced as the EU and the US and what have you. Uh, these countries could really benefit from all of this technology that's going to happen in uh, really just level the playing field in web, uh, with this Web3 uh, stuff that in ways that does not require them to have uh, the big centralized computer systems and what have you. It is going to be scattered across blockchains. It is going to be verified and done by a community. So really, I see this going to have a lot of implications and a lot of uh, impact in ways that goes so far beyond just making quick dollars for a few people here and there, Silicon Valley and, and Wall Street and all the companies that are getting into this whole uh, Web3 and crypto and NFT space. So really, I'm expecting some great things to happen from this. And as things are being built, different uh, applications, different companies are coming on board. And I really see like the biggest innovation is going to be in the the business to business sectors as far as uh, verifying contracts and what have you, things like that is going to be uh, so much more uh, impactful than the consumer to consumer things that we're actually currently doing right now, where we're testing out different things and 
we're really pioneering the space. But I really see like the, the big major movements is going to happen in some quote unquote boring tech, some very boring areas of this Web3 space is what's going to really move the needle the most. And I would like to think of uh, there is a company that is pro- probably one of the largest tech companies in the world. However, no one really knows what they do because it is quote unquote boring tech. Uh, you might know them from being uh, the Oracle Arena sponsoring the Golden State Warriors uh, stadium or arena, if you will. However, Larry Ellison and Oracle are a major player in the tech space. But if you ask the average person, even I wouldn't even say the average person, the average person in the tech space, the average person in Web3 that is all in this stuff, what does Oracle do? Very few people can actually tell you. However, Oracle is one of the richest, most profitable companies in the world. And I think those are the type of companies that's really going to make some splashes in Web3 that, you know, we did not see coming. You know, a lot of these board apes and uh, a lot of these uh, NFT projects and PFPs, like, sure, they're fun and they're amazing and they're, you know, they, they get the buzz and uh, they get the headlines. However, the guys that are working behind the scenes and that they're putting the infrastructure together, those are the real ones that are going to really build this and uh, shape and mold how all of this works. So what do you think? Do you think the business, the consumer sector, or is it going to be the business to business sector that's going to really take off in this Web3 space? I'd love to know your thoughts and what you're thinking, especially what you're exploring. And if there's anything that you'd like me to really research, look into, or maybe uh, speak about more on this show, please feel free to reach out to me. If you look in the show notes, you can see my contact information and my social media handle. So as usual, I will see you in the next one. Later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.